Rockford. Okay. Good morning, everyone. The title of this message is Remind Us, O Lord. And I'm just going to preempt what I'm about to talk about. That is Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, by something that's not related to this subject at all. But then again, it is. And what I'm about to say is not in this text, but I'll get to the text in a minute. Remind us, O Lord, oftentimes we as Christians, we need to be reminded of how good the Lord is to us. Can I get a witness? Remind me, remind you how the Lord has blessed us to get up this morning. How the Lord has allowed you and I to see the glory of the God with the stars, the moon. I have to remind myself how great, how great is the Lord our God. Can I get a witness? So if I get a little off track this morning, you're going to have to forgive me. Because I'm not trying to bag, brag. I'm not trying to exalt myself. But like you, I hope that the zeal, the zeal, I have to make myself pronounce the words correctly. The zeal of the Lord has eaten me up. says that in Zechariah regarding the overwhelming zeal of Jesus as he did the Father's will. In agony, and that will be mentioned in the text, in pain, in sorrow, and all the things he went through. We have to be reminded how Great is our God. Can I get a witness? So without further off the mark, off the context of this message, I'll go to number two. And perhaps some of you have already looked at it. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, obedient. To be ready for every good deed. To malign no one. And I hope you know what malign means. It means to put down. To be uncontentious, gentle. Showing every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish ourselves. Is that true, ladies and gentlemen? Wasn't that true? I'm going to mention that again in the message, but I'm just pointing that out. For we also, once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice. I'm going to get back to you. you. You did it to me, and I'm going to get back to you. And envy, 
hateful, hating one another. But I can almost say, but God. Noonie day, but God. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, good and proper for men, he saved us. I'm trying to stay contained, not on the basis of good, excuse me, let me start again. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. I'm preempting my other notes that are on the other pages by asking you, do you know Jesus? I mean, not only in your head, but in your heart. Can I get another witness? I'm going to be asking you for various amens or witnesses this morning. And I don't mind if you interrupt me by saying, praise God. Because you know what? And this is ahead of notes too. This is in Revelation, but I'm not going to get into that yet. In Revelation chapter 5, so this is a preemptory note. All creation, all Creation, angels, seraphims, and all the other beings are going to praise God the Father and the Son. But in this life, you and I as born-again Christians are to praise, I'm going to say it, God the Father and God the Son. Can I get a witness? And I'm going to prove that by the eternal word of God if the Lord allows me to get to it. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done. And I don't know why I'm saying this, but there might be someone here who still thinks, and that's what it is, just a thought, you could be saved by your good deeds outweighing your bad deeds and all the other isms. But there's only one way to be saved. By grace, I know I said it before, through faith. That being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God may be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. Okay, number four. Let's get back to the beginning. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. I'm going to ask you something. 
So I better be careful how I say it. To be ready to every good work. You're going to see this scripture later. Christian, have you been working out your own salvation? Did you notice that I didn't say work for your salvation? How are you doing since you've been saved? Has the Holy Spirit been energizing you to perform good works and good deeds to praise and lift up the name above every name? For the Cretans, and some say Cretans, inclined as a people to rebellion, that, that's right, this was written to a group of people called Cretans. Such an exhortation was necessary at a time when those of Jewish, that is, mindset, were showing a disposition to resist the authority of the heathen magistrates. What do you mean by that, Brother Roos? There was a group of people called Cretans. Ah, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm not going to listen to you, even if you are over me. I'm not going to listen. So in that context, I'm going to repeat this again. For the Cretans inclined as a people to rebellion, such an exhortation was necessary, especially a time when those Jewish mindset were showing a disposition to resist the authority of the heathen magistrates. There were a group of people over them, and they didn't like it. To obey magistrates. Here we go, number five. What are you? That's right. I want to make this very, very relevant. What are you in my inclined, ungodly mindset and heart pulling after? Christian, yes, to make this relevant. Since you've been saved by the grace of God, what are you still inclined to do, which is you know is not, un, is not godly. What are you still inclined to do? Well, let me give you Galatians five nineteen through 26. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious, which are adultery, sexual immorality, uncleanness, lustfulness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, rivalries, divisions, heresies. I want you to think about what I just said. Or any of us, did you notice I included me? I hope you did. Idolatry. You still love money. You still love cars. You're still involved in alcoholism. I had to wait to say that. You still like alcohol. You, it, it just, you're still inclined. But I'll tell you one thing. Only God, the Holy Spirit, can take those habits from you. Can I get an amen? amen. That's right. Christians are still involved in things that they shouldn't be. Divisions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. 
of which I forewarn you, I got to slow down, even as I also forewarned you before, I put that word before, that those who practice such things will not inherit. These are the things of an unregenerate person. And I hate to say this, but I should say it. Someone, it's been three weeks ago, someone told me, don't you dare unchain, or don't you dare you chain the word of God when you get up on that pulpit. Speak what the Holy Spirit tells you to speak. Stop shortchanging God. Thank you. Adultery. You hate, you still hate people. Strife, you're always involved in some type of argument. Jealousy, you're still jealous of others. These things do not belong to us Christians. And as I said, it takes the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ to keep on cleansing us I hope you belong on this side. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. A few days ago, One person in this congregation, I wouldn't dare point them out, was confronted with a lot of cursing in their face, a lot of anger. And I said I wouldn't point them out because this has happened to more than one person. They held their peace. You know why? Because God the Holy Spirit took control, that's why. And when you're in some kind of confrontation, you ask the Lord, Lord, help me. I can't take this. I can't take this. But with the Holy Spirit, you can. Gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and lusts. If we live by the Spirit, let us also let also us walk by the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Why are you on that? Why are you on obedience? Because that's what the text is talking about. Here's a follow-up text. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Number eight, do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise 
for the, from the saved, for it is a ministry of God. No, it didn't say that. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. You know, we as Christians should be very godly to those who are over us, to the authorities, and I'm not going to name any. It's a good report for God for us to be godly citizens. Wherefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. But, can you say but? There's a big but, there's a big but here. But when the obedience to the laws of men runs contrary to the written word of God, we must obey God rather than man. Number 10, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Speak evil of no man, falsely or unnecessarily. True religion makes good subjects, quiet citizens, peaceful neighbors, and renders men meek, patient, forgiving in all his relations or her relations of life. Here's three, three translations of verse 2. This is number 11. Good. Of no one to speak evil, not to be quarrelsome, gentle, showing all meekness to all men. Bible basic. To say no evil of any man, not to be fighters, to give away, to give way to others, to be gentle in behavior to all men. And lastly, to speak evil of no one, not to be contentious, to be gentle, showing all humility toward all men. Number 12. I mentioned before if you knew what the word maligning means, but here you can see what the word maligning is. Maligning the Son of God. You and I, I don't, I don't care if you're a Christian or you're just not a Christian. You malign the Son of God when you call him just a good man, just another prophet. He was a great teacher. He was a great leader. When you say, there are many ways to God, he being one of them. If you're in this category, think about what was just said. He's just a man. He's just another prophet. A great teacher. A great leader. There are many ways to God, he being one of them. And before I go into page 13, are you in this category? Do you consider Jesus just a good man? Just another prophet? 
great, great teacher. Before I go into my list, I'm just going to say this, and I said it before. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Ferris among 10,000. He's the Lily of the Valley. He's the Bright and Morning Star. He is the one who was, is coming, and shall back to meet you. Can I get a witness? That's who he is. I got another list here, but I didn't get to that one yet. Here's what Hebrew says. Let me add a note. We don't know who wrote Hebrews, but whoever wrote it, this is what he says. 13. He is the radiance of his glory, of God's glory. He is the exact representation of God's nature. He upholds all things by the word of his power. And when he had made purification of our sins, I put our in there, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Can I get, can I get a witness? Amen. Do you understand what was just said? And he is the radiance of God's glory. And he is the exact, not just a replica, he's the exact representation of God's nature. He upholds all things. Do you realize what, what was just said about Jesus? He holds the entire cosmos, the entire universe in his hands. That's who he is. Is he just a good man? Is he just a good prophet? Let me say this. You must be kidding. Having become much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than that. What is that name? To which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son? God said that to his son. Today I have begotten thee. I will be to him a father. Let me put it right. I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me. Now I want you to, to reserve the next page, 14. And when he, that is God the Father, brings the firstborn into the world, he says, this is what the Father said to his son. I know I have to slow down, so bear with me. <laughs> Let all the angels of God worship him. God demands the angels to worship his son. He would never demand an angel to worship another angel. Can I get a witness? God commands it. And if he commands the angels to worship him, he also, as your personal savior, demands you and I to worship him. And I looked. We're talking about maligning somebody. Well, here's an 
maligning somebody. Revelation. And I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was, King James says, 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy. Can you say worthy? Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Can I get a witness? And every creature, I, I know it says created thing, and every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in them are heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be the blessing and the honor. I know I'm repeating myself. And glory and dominion forever and ever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down. And what did they do? Who they worship? They worship the one sitting on the throne, that is God the Father, and his son who sit right next to him. I got cut short in my head. Praise God to get caught in your head as the Holy Spirit takes over. He sat down. You want to malign somebody? Malign this one. He sat down, according to Hebrews. And if you don't know it, if you've been reading your Bible, you might have come across the scripture. The reason why he sat down, because his work of saving your soul and my soul is done. He paid it. I know you heard me say it before. He paid it in full. And someone already said it before. Tetelestai paid. Paid in full. And for that, I'll never, hopefully, Malign, the eternal son of the living God. Yes, we're talking about talking about people. Well, I'm talking about Jesus. And that's what you and I should be doing as Christians. Talk about him. Tell them how he saved your soul. Tell them how he paid the debt of every possible thing, and that's in the text, you could ever do. Tell them how, number 16, how there's no, self, let, me, let, me, let me stop. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among, among men by which we must be saved. There is salvation in none other, for neither is there any other name under heaven that is given among men by which we must be saved. Okay, have it your own way.
Someday you're going to meet Jesus as your judge. Where'd you get that, that from, Brother Bruce? Notice it's not in the text. In John 5, 22 and 23, the Bible says, God the Father has given all judgment to the Son that all may honor the Son even as they honor the Father. Five twenty-two and 23, you can look it up. 17. Hence also he is able to save forever. How long? Forever. Some of you are not going to like this statement. You're going to disagree, but that's okay. When Jesus Christ saved you, he saved you and me forever. If it was possible for you to lose your salvation, you better believe you and I would have lost it. All he needed, and this is why. For him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That was a God-man who made a sacrifice for you. Can I get a witness? 100% man, 100% God. And when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken of his father for your sins and mine. Who does not need daily like those high priests to offer a sacrifice for his own sins? Say for his own sins. He, this is not in the text, who knew no sin became sin for you and me that we might become the righteousness. Yes, you and I Christians have a righteousness that was imputed to our account. He who knew no sin became sin for you that we might become. Notice the word become because we didn't have any righteousness that would win us to God. The righteousness of God in him. Numbers 18. I can tell I'm not going to get done. Still talking about him. Who does not need daily like those high priests. I know I said this already. To offer up sacrifice. First for his own sins. For the law appoints men as high priests. Who are weak. But the word of the oath which came after the law. Appoints a son. God appointed his son, and his son said, yes, Lord. 19, 20. I didn't know I repeated this. Now, this is for you and me, for anyone who's hurting. When he prayed... Brother Bruce, aren't you getting off track here? We're talking about the government. We're talking about speaking evil of people. But now we're speaking about someone who's innocent, undefiled. Why can't you and I talk about this, gentlemen? 
I can say this, he's more than a gentleman. When he prayed in agony in the garden, when the weight of all, say all. Did you notice that now? Not some, all. When the weight of all our sins descended upon him, I have no idea. My mind cannot comprehend that all the weight of all my sins and all your sins were put upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah says, God calls to meet all your sins upon this person. When he prayed in agony in the garden, when the weight of all our sins descended upon him, all the sins that had been and that would be committed throughout the world forever after, when he suffered all the temptations, all the honor, all the remorse for the rest of the world. His disciples did not understand that either. He watched and suffered alone in the garden or in his agony. He had told them that the next day he was to die. And in spite of his miracles, they paid so little attention to his words that they slept as the friend they loved most in the world struggled against the thought of his death. Can you imagine knowing that the next day you were going to be placed upon a cross? You were going, you're not going to like this, but it's true. He was stripped naked with his arms placed around a a pole and whipped unmercifully. Can you imagine thinking about that was going to be your fate the next day? They left him alone. They slept. And the next day and the next day they fled. So little did they understand his teachings, though they had been with him for three years. They did not understand even after they had with, been with him at the Last Supper. They did not understand until the Holy Spirit descended upon them and it was given to them to understand. Can I get a witness? I'm going to add this. This is not in the text. You and I cannot understand the Bible and who Jesus is until you can say something like this. You don't have to say this. It might be something else. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was on my way to hell, and I didn't understand that's where I was headed. But God, say, but God. He rescued me. That's what he did. He took me out of the bondage of Satan himself, the God of this world, and translated you and me into the 